we have today uh, the privilege of hearing from Amelia, our River Kids director. Uh, River Kids is a wonderful program that happens in the basement as well as upstairs. You know, this church, a lot's going on this every Sunday, not just here, but, you know, all three floors. And uh, Amelia is in charge of the two out of three floors every Sunday, right? So here she is. Would you please welcome Amelia? Selamat pagi, nama saya Amelia. Senang sekali bertemu dengan Anda di tempat ini. If you think you could guess about 50% of what I was trying to convey, maybe based on my body language, my tone, and the context that I'm actually standing here today on Sunday morning, can you raise your hands? Okay, so let me translate. Good morning, my name is Amelia, and I'm so glad that you are here today. About right? Right? So we can communicate a lot more than what our words can say. There's the actual conversation, which is what is being said, and there's the meta communication, which is the nonverbal communication, which is what is being conveyed through body language, uh, eye contact, tonality, touch, uh, appearance, personal space, etc. So the world that we live in is rarely silent. So if we limit ourselves to only hearing things that we can actually hear um, or words that we can actually understand, I wonder how much information we may be missing out. Since the beginning of this year, we have been in a sermon series titled Impossible Question, Fresh Perspective. We have been considering some of the toughest questions of life and faith, such as, is the Bible inerrant? Why do bad things happen to good people? Is, is it true only Christians go to heaven? Today is the last sermon in this series, so I would like to consider a question that is equally tough, yet personal. A question that most of us has probably asked God before. I know for me, I ask this a lot. Why does God not answer my prayer? Haven't we heard us, and it shall be given? Our culture has an obsession with answers, because answers give us certainty and a sense of security. We feel safe and confident when we have answers. Answers could help us be more effective and efficient with tasks. Think about search engines. There's hardly any question that Google cannot really answer nowadays. And how about GPS? You don't really need to know everything, where everything is located. You type in the name of, let's say, a restaurant that you want to go to, and it will tell you exactly how to get there, how long it will take you to get there. And it would even help you figure out if it's worth the trip. So if you see one star or two star, please look at something else. But when we have situations like, why does my loved one have cancer? Why did my dad have to die so early? Should I take this job or that job? 
Should I marry this person? When it comes to the hardest questions in life, we rarely have answers. Or maybe there are answers, but not the ones we actually want to hear. For example, hearing a doctor's prognosis that my dad had only six months to live. That's a type of answer, right? Or learning that we could have saved a lot of money if we bought that apartment last year. Now, that's another unhelpful answer. I wonder when we ask God, why is this happening to me? What should I do now? What are we really asking? Is it always about seeking for practical knowledge about our situation? Or could it be more of a cry to be seen, to feel less lonely in this world, in our situation? When it comes to the hardest of situation, I wonder if there are really answers, any word that would be satisfying. The Bible says that Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God. Don't you find this fascinating? Let's read the passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So when it comes to our deepest longing, God seems to respond with, I'll be like you. I'll become flesh. And when it comes to dealing with our dark situation, God responded with, I will be with you. Now, there are much wisdom and knowledge in this world, but God seems to understand that the words, that words are not sufficient. That oftentimes, the answer that we were looking for were not really the ones that would give us hope. But God, being with us, among us, with me, may shine light to, into our situation. Jesus is God's meta-communication. So when I feel insecure or I ask questions like, do I matter? Do you even see me, God? I'm reminded of the time when Jesus noticed Zacchaeus, the short tax collector who climbed the tree so that he could see Jesus. Tax collectors were not exactly popular back, day, back then. Um, they might have cheated, run scams, so people avoided them. These are not the kind of people who get invited to parties or gathering much. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Not only did Jesus recognize Zacchaeus, Jesus wanted to come and stay at his house. 
And did you notice the tone of excitement in Jesus? Make haste. Hurry up. Jesus made it sound like it was a great thing to do. Jesus was as eager as Zacchaeus to make connection. Or, when the world misunderstands me, when people pretend that they do not see me or diminish me, I'm reminded of the sinful women who entered the house where Jesus was dining with the Pharisees. As the men were talking, as if she was not there, Jesus said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave, forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. To, uh, then Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus sees you, even when the world turns a blind eye. This sinful woman, we could only guess what this could mean, was probably used to being dismissed and harshly judged. So, going into a house full of religious leaders, that was bold. Can you imagine the kind of look and sneer that she might be receiving? So, meeting with Jesus was a very courageous act. It's like she's saying, Jesus is for me too. You bet I'll be there. Her love and longing for Jesus were so great, and Jesus was not going to let that unseen, especially among these honorable men. Jesus made sure to recognize her and made her known to everyone and to us. I wonder how this encounter might have changed her life. Maybe change the man's perception and understanding too. God, being with us, can change lives. Now, I understand that Bible stories sometimes can feel very distant, especially when we are in a dark place right now. I know God loves me. I heard this many times before, but I'm still confused, and I'm still very sad. Amelia, watch, which job should I take? Should I leave New York? What decisions should I make in regards to my child's health or my elderly parent? Honestly, I don't know. 
but let me share you a personal story. And this was the first time that I saw my dad cry. I was born an ethnic minority in Indonesia. I was born Chinese. My sister and I fled the country after an incident called the tragedy of May 1998, which was a series of civil unrest and mass violence targeting the ethnic Chinese minority. It was estimated that more than 1,000 people died and 168 cases of rapes were reported during the two days period of riot. We consider ourselves lucky. None of my family members were physically harmed, but we went through terror from hiding under the car seats, driving through tear gas, and a bump trap in the school building. So within four weeks, my dad decided that his two oldest daughter must leave the country immediately. So we fled to Singapore for safety without much planning. And we had to continue our schooling. At the time, I was about to enter grade 11 and my sister was entering grade nine. Me and my sister, we went to an academically rigorous school in Indonesia, so my dad was expecting that we would go to an equally prestigious school. But after pounding the pavement for several days, visiting about a dozen of schools, knocking doors and begging school principals, we could not find one school that could accept us without dropping us two grades lower. So, after much disappointment, my dad decided to toss his list of schools and went to the nearest school to where we were staying at the time, a local community school. And my sister got accepted. And I ended up in a Canadian school in Singapore. Those nice Canadians, right? <laughs> As we were walking back to where we were staying, my dad stopped and sat at a bench, and he shed some tears. It had been an extremely grueling and stressful few weeks for our family. I imagine he probably never stopped worrying even for a little bit. Thinking about how to keep his family safe, how to support them, and what would be the future of his daughters. And then a truck went by. And my dad said, did you see the sticker on the back of that truck? And me and my sister said, no. Go chase the truck. Me and my sister said, no. We were jaded teenagers, right? So just tell us what's on the back of the truck, on the stickers. And my dad said, the sticker says, God loves you. He looked at us and he said, you both can continue your school next Monday because God loves you. Richard Rohr, 
an American Franciscan priest and writer on spirituality says, the most amazing fact about Jesus is that he found God in disorder and imperfection and told us that we must do the same or we would never be content on this earth. Now, I still cannot give you the answers to your questions. In fact, I think the best answers are rarely words. But if God creates everything, and if this entire universe is God's palette, there are infinite ways that God communi communicate with creation. God is the master of meta-communication. There are words of every language, all spectrums of colors, col amazing collection of sounds, textures, and shapes. The whole entire creation has the capacity to carry God's message for you. Oftentimes, the answer to our question is around us already. We only have to be more open and perceptive. And sometimes, oftentimes, you just have to claim it. Just like the sinful woman in our passage earlier, Jesus is for me. And the sticker on the back of the truck was exactly what my dad needed to see in that moment. And he was not gonna let it go by without claiming it and announcing it. We humans are very good at nitpicking on the negatives, right? Finding faults at every corner. Nah, that's coincidence. That's not God. But where does that lead us? I honestly think there's nothing wrong with noticing and claiming that every good little thing that comes your way as a way of God noticing you and loving you. I mean, take it as an experiment and see where this one leads you. For example, when the sun shines on you, you hear a bird sing, you notice a flower. Now, every subway connection arrives on time. Can we nitpick on the positive once in a while? Albert Einstein said, the single most important decision we could make is to believe whether the universe is friendly towards us or not. Now, since we can't know about everything, and everything we know is perception, let's pick one that is friendly, helpful, and loving for ourselves and others. It's very possible that job A and job B could lead to a great life. Or staying in New York, living in New York, uh, living in New York, both could be really, really good. At this church, we have been talking a, a lot how we are the vines and God is the branch. So we can make our best judgment and we should be wise with our decision. But when we are connected to the branch, life flows continuously. 
This means that there's no mistake, no turns that cannot be rectified. And nothing is ever really finished. The right decision to make and the right place to be is always with God. A seven-year-old girl asked me a question. You said that in the beginning, God created everything. But what's before the beginning? Now, I was very busy that Sunday. So (laughs) I told her, that's a really good question. But I have to do a few things upstairs. (laughs) Let me think about it, okay? And after about 10 minutes, I went back downstairs and... She was waiting at the bottom of the stairs. And she said, so, have you got the answers yet? Honestly, I did not have a chance to think about it at all. However, I tried to help her look at the situation from different angles. Saying that maybe God is not like us. So he's not bounded in time, which is very abstract, right? to imagine even for adults. And then I started talking about love and how love does not have colors and how light does not have shape. So asking time for God is not exactly relevant. Convulated very much. So seeing her even more confused face, I said, honestly, I have no idea. I don't have answers for you, but we can keep talking about it. I'm here. Surprisingly, she was very receptive to that. That's the end. And that's kind of like God, right? God is here. I am here. We are all here. Did you know that throughout the Bible, Jesus asked 307 questions, but only answered eight of them? You would think that he would just go around spotting off all his knowledge, right? After all, he is the Word of God. Well, I think questions are better than answers too. Questions invite us to reflect, to experience, to connect, and to fully engage life. This season at our church, we have many life groups starting back up, just like Charles mentioned. And these are what life groups are for, sharing life and asking questions with friends. So please make sure to check them out. So to to close our sermon series and this sermon, I have even more questions for you. Question that you may ask yourself, question that may help you feel more connected to God when life feels a little darker. I wonder what feels encouraging to you right now. I wonder if anything feels like love. What is alive in you? 
Can you recognize the positive flow of God in your life today? What brings light to your day? Who brings light to you today? Thank you.